Betty Julie, rubias de Neuillón, cabecitas adoradas que vienen del amor, dan envidia a las estrellas, yo no sé vivir sin ellas. Mary Peggy, Betty Julie, de la Biosfera. All right, that was the voice of the immortal tango singer Carlos Gardel. Now, one of the most amazing things I learned on my trip to Argentina was that Gardel is still very popular. Based on my experience of walking into various CD stores in, uh, in Buenos Aires, sure enough, there were Gardel CDs everywhere. Now, Gardel died in a plane crash in 1935. And yet, they say in Argentina that Gardel sings better every day. His popularity has apparently never waned. Now, I don't know what to compare this to in the United States except maybe Elvis, but uh, I think that you know even the Elvis phenomenon pales by comparison to the story of Carlos Gardel. This is a guy who's singing at the time of Rudy Valley, 1930. I mean, Cab Calloway, these are guys that are like the early age of jazz. Maybe Louis Armstrong in the late 1920s. Can you imagine... Well, I guess you can still go into, into any record store and obtain, you know, CDs from Louis Armstrong. But I don't think you're going to find them out there in the front racks like you do on the pedestrian malls in Buenos Aires. So, it seems to really be true. Now, one of the things to do in Buenos Aires is to go to the cemetery. Y- yes, go to the cemetery. This is one of the two major attractions, apparently, of the city, is it's two cemeteries, Chacarita and Recoleta. Now, Evita Perón, she of the famous Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, opera, is, uh, is buried in Recoleta. But uh, Gardel is across town in Chacarita, so having some time to kill one afternoon, I took a trip out to see his mausoleum. And there is a bronze statue of the immortal tango singer there. Customarily, um, the, you know, his sort of suave pose is accentuated by admirers sticking a lit cigarette into the hands of the statue, which I think would have added a certain touch. Uh, when I was there, no one had, had done that for Gardel. But I, I just am so impressed by this subject of longevity and the tango. We're going to have an actual tango expert come on the program in a couple weeks. And a couple of our regular correspondents, Dr. Whitney Lehman and Dr. Tony Held, are currently taking tango lessons. So... We're going to delve into this South American art form a little bit because, uh, hey, that's what Argentina is famous for. Now, Dr. Lehman has talked to us in the past about the beef industry. While on vacation, I took uh, two good books, one of which was Fast Food Nation, Eric Schlosser's classic book on the uh, fast food industry. And I do want to talk a bit about that at some length in the weeks to come. You know, McDonald's is everywhere. It's all over Brazil, it's all over Uruguay, it's all over Argentina, and yet this book, Fast Food Nation, apparently has thrown a scare into the McDonald's Corporation and numerous other uh, major fast food industries, and that subject is a subject that I want to talk um, a bit about. I want to tell you, though, just in brief, that Argentinian beef is much better than our beef. It is not grown in, uh, it's not basically produced in feedlots by shoving corn uh, through a cow. Uh, The beef in Argentina is raised on grass, as it should be. They don't use a lot of hormones. They don't use a lot of antibiotics. 
And for my money, uh, I think it's there in the taste. The stuff tastes like beef is supposed to taste. And yes, out of curiosity, knowing that McDonald's and other corporations would use local beef, I did try to eat in one when I first got there, before I'd read Schlosser's book. I'm swearing off the Golden Arches as a result of my uh, reading experience. And I think, really, if you haven't read this book, I really recommend it very highly. We'll talk about it uh, uh, probably two weeks from now on the program. But, uh, you know, the McDonald's beef was, was bad. It tasted bad. It tasted worse than it tastes here. And, uh, you know, when you compare that to how good a, a simple, lean piece of Argentinian beef was, um, well, there's no reason to eat at McDonald's, at least not for the food. But it really isn't about the food. At, uh, at a tango show, a lovely couple from Mexico City asked me to join them. And uh, we, we had a pretty good time. Uh, um, they were actually, I was able to speak good enough Spanish to get by, which is, which is a wonderful thing. I want to put a plug in for foreign language education in our high schools and universities. But uh, they said uh, uh, that, in their opinion, the McDonald's food was terrible. But their kids, even in Mexico City, want to go because they have the best toys. God knows it's true in Mexico City, and I guess it's true here. They pitch to kids, and it works. All right, I, I'm running out of steam here, frankly. I think I am. Uh, 20 hours of airplane rides is a bit much. I've had a day to recover, but I'm still not where I need to be. So I'm going to postpone my story of the search for Mars through a telescope in the Southern Hemisphere till next week because, uh, well, the word fiasco comes to mind. But uh, I, I want to tell the story properly. I want to give it its due, and we don't have time to do that today. So what I want to do instead is build a bridge to uh, Todd Urich, who will follow uh, today's show, as he always does, with his program, Hometown Atrocities, which, uh, which is an amazingly eclectic selection of um, tunes for you. Um, I like the odd and the entertaining among musical numbers. So I wanted to go to a guy that I don't think is as well known to the student audience. Uh, and this is a college station um, here at KDVS, as he ought to be. Mr. Tom Lear, one of the, one of the most hilarious, satirical uh, songwriters and performers of, uh, of the last generation. He had his heyday back in the 1960s and um, then became a professor of mathematics at UC Santa Cruz, where he is currently found today. I want to go out today with uh, three selections from Mr. Tom Lear. They're all about two minutes in length. They're quickies uh, but, and oldies but goodies. The first one is called, Who's Next? About nuclear proliferation. First we got the bomb and that was good Cause we love peace and motherhood Then Russia got the bomb but that's okay Cause the balance of powers maintained that way Who's next? France got the bomb but don't you grieve Cause they're on our side, I believe China got the bomb but have no fears They can't wipe us out for at least five years Who's next? Uh, then Indonesia claimed that they were gonna get one any day. South Africa wants two, that's right. One for the black and one for the white. Who's next? Egypt's gonna get one too, just to use on you know who. So Israel's getting 
getting tense, wants one in self-defense. The Lord's our shepherd, says the psalm, but just in case, we better get a bomb. <laughs> Who's the next? A Luxembourg is next to go, and who knows, maybe Monaco. We'll try to stay serene and calm when Alabama gets the bomb. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Still a valid question to ask 40 years later. Who's next? We mentioned on the show a while back, talking to Dr. Bruce Betts about our efforts in space, uh, I think you mentioned in passing Dr. Werner von Braun. Well, Tom Lear had a few things to say about the former, let's just say, well, let's just say Nazi, because he was, rocket scientist who built the Saturn V that put uh, America on the moon. around while I sing you of Werner von Braun, a man whose allegiance is ruled by expedience. Call him a Nazi, he won't even frown. A Nazi schmatzi, says Werner von Braun. <laughs> Don't say that he's hypocritical. Say rather that he's apolitical. Once the rockets are up, who cares where they come down? That's not my department, says Werner von Braun. Some have harsh words for this man of renown, but some think our attitude should be one of gratitude, like the widows and cripples in old London town who owe their large pensions to Werner von Braun. You too may be a big hero, once you've learned to count backwards to zero In German or English, I know how to count down And I'm learning Chinese, says Werner von Braun Alright, and finally, my all-time favorite Tom Lehrer song, and I think this is probably most people's uh, favorite, um, favorite offering by Mr. Lear, or should I say Dr. Lear. I think uh, this song uh, speaks for itself. Let's just go back and um, turn the clock back to about 1962 and let this one rip. This show is produced by Edward McMillan. This is your slightly jet-lagged host, Douglas Everett. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, and this is Radio Parallax. Stay tuned for Todd, but listen to this one through its entirety, would you? Another big news story of the year concerned the ecumenical council in Rome known as Vatican II. Among the things they did in an attempt to make the church more commercial <laughs> was to introduce the vernacular into portions of the mass to replace Latin and to widen somewhat the range of music permissible in the liturgy. But I feel that if they really want to sell the product in, uh, in this secular age, what they ought to do is to redo some of the liturgical music in popular song forms. I have a modest example here. It's called the Vatican Rag. First you get down on your knees, fiddle with your rosaries, bow your head with great respect and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. Do whatever steps you want if you have cleared them with the pontiff. Everybody say his own, Kyrie eleison, doing the Vatican Rag. 
Processional, step into that small confessional. They're the guy who's got religion. I'll tell you if your sin's original. If it is, try playing it safer. Drink the wine and chew the wafer. Two, four, six, eight. Time to transubstantiate. So get down upon your knees, fiddle with your rosaries, bow your head with great respect and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. Make a cross on your abdomen. When in Rome, do like a Roman. Ave Maria. It's good to see you getting ecstatic and sort of dramatic and doing the Vatican right.